I was raised to believe that the Bible is a book of morals, and that it defines good versus evil for us within its pages. In the Garden of Eden, however, there were two trees. The tree that brought death was the tree that contained the question of morals, good versus evil. The other tree was a tree that brought life to all the aid of its fruit, the tree of life. Is it possible that we've been asking the wrong questions, chasing the wrong thing by seeking to be moral? Let's run an experiment. Rather than seeking to define and live by good versus evil, let's flip the question. Let's define life instead. But to do that, we must first seek it out. So join us as we dare our as we seek life. Hey everybody, welcome to the Derish Chai Experiment, the show where we cast our bread on many waters. I'm Aaron Bishop, here with my beautiful wife, Rebecca. Hey guys. And today we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. So we're just one chapter away from the ending. It's pretty exciting. You are almost done with your very first book in the podcast. My very first podcast. Uh-huh, isn't it exciting? Yeah. We should write a little kid's book like named that. My, my very, very first, first podcast. podcast. Yeah. yeah. That would be a big seller. Like, only sell one. Maybe to my brother. And maybe to your brother, because you got the same <laughs> taste in books. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Once again, Ecclesiastes 11. Uh, just like the last chapter, it really just seems like a hodgepodge of Proverbs. Like there's just yeah. this, this bunch of just, I hate using the word pithy, but a bunch of these wise sayings that are just kind of all bound together into... Yeah, and yet at the same time, it's very clearly that there's some idiom going on. Oh, yes. And some very clear things that his audience would have understood that we don't. There's a lot of cultural things going on here. Yeah. But just as before, just as throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, we're actually going to find the seeds of some later ideas that are used in the New Testament, especially one that that I really want to pull out. But yeah, this book, it's been profound so far. Have you really learned anything from it that has caused you to uh, to actually change the way that you're seeing life and the way that you're you're doing things? Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily changing the way that I view the world so much, but I have definitely been studying in other parts of scripture and found where it lines up with Ecclesiastes or where I can pull back, you know, pull in Ecclesiastes and say, okay, but Ecclesiastes says this, so maybe we need to look at it again or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not necessarily sure that I've changed anything per se. Maybe. Change is so ephemeral. Do you have a more uh, YOLO attitude on life? No. <laughs> well, good, because that would be to completely misunderstand the book of Ecclesiastes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we kind of see that in today's chapter, that there is there definitely is um, a... a uh, he recognizes the futility of it all, and you only live once. I mean, okay, yeah, that tra- phrase is technically true, um, and so make the most of it. But, but he, he's also saying, don't waste your life. Right. He comes to a conclusion that's completely different than that phrase is used to try to push in today's world. And that phrase is often used to go out and experience and make sure you just experience whatever, you know, live your best life type type idea. Which is, I do not like that phrase. <laughs> right. Live your best life. Um, We only get one. Well, that's the best one. <laughs> right. Whatever you did with it, that was your best one. Right. Oh. Um. 
But yeah, the Solomon comes to a, a completely different conclusion than just the simple idea of go out, party, experience, have fun. And it really shines. And it I think that kind of puts a highlight on the difference between the idea of living once for God and living once for yourself. Yes. Because that, that idea of living once is all throughout Scripture. We see it in Hebrews, is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And, uh, and we actually see that idea reflected in this chapter. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one of the... Uh, yeah, actually. Well, it's one of the passages I want to really highlight when we get there. So, yeah, the the idea of, of living once, but making the most of it. And it's not just making the most of it in your experience, but making the most of it in what you do, in your labor. That's the highlight. And we can't forget all of the chapters that led up to this. Right. Where he was pursuing all of these different things, all of these different ends to see what was good and what was right and what was worthwhile to pursue. And in this chapter, we get this view of, okay, those things were okay and it's okay to experience them and it's okay to enjoy them. But right. don't forget the main purpose. Why are you here? Yeah. Don't, don't, don't waste your life. Make it count for something. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and let's open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Let's read it and then let's dig in and discuss the specifics of the chapter. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it. Give portions to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen upon the earth. If the clouds are full, they empty out rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to south or north, the tree lies where it falls. Whoever keeps watching the wind will not sow, and whoever gazes at the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know how the spirit passes into the bones of the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the work of God who makes all things. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not let your hand be idle. For you do not know if this or that will succeed, or if both will prosper together. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. For if a man lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is obscure. Rejoice, young man, in your childhood, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you to judgment. So banish anxiety from your heart and cast off distress from your body, for youth and prime of life are fleeting. Send your bread out on the face of the waters, and after many days you shall find it. Mm, Is he talking about feeding ducks? I think he's talking about soggy bread. Soggy bread, feeding Mm -hmm. ducks, and then uh, you'll find it when the duck dies. Because in case you didn't know this, feeding bread to ducks kills them. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't feed bread to ducks. But that's not what he's talking about here, is it? Oh, no. Definitely not. And it's it's an idiom for sure. It's It's... something that his audience would have totally understood, made perfect sense, but it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to us. So what does it mean must be the biggest question that, like, everybody has. And I think fortunately... 
we have some uh, translations out there that I think did a pretty good job of getting to the heart of the idiom and making it understandable rather mm -hmm. than a wooden translation of the text. Right. Uh, and that just gets into translation theory. There are a lot of translations out there that try to do a literal translation of the text. There's others that go for readability. And the ones that tend more towards readability will try to identify the idioms and put them into a common speech. So, casting your bread on the face of the waters. What does it mean, Rebecca? What did you discover this week? Well, I looked at that through many different translations and in some of the other translations besides the TLV, which is what I use, it is talking about sending your ships out to foreign trade. And after many days, you will reap a return. Right. Two of those translations are the NIV and the NET. And both of them say something along the lines of send your grain overseas or ship your grain overseas. And after many days, you will get a return. So it's the idea of investing in the future, sending mm -hmm. the thing that you worked on today, storing it away for a return that will be better than what it is now. And verse two is very much the same way. Right. Give portions to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen upon the earth. You could say this in a different way. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's an idiom we have. Right. Diversify. Diversify, right, yeah. Yeah. And in the NET, it says, uh, divide your merchandise among seven or eight investments, for you do not know what calamity may happen on the earth. And that's actually uh, quite wise right now in the, in the current market. For example, everybody who put all of their investments in cryptocurrency are uh, kind of paying a price right now. Sorry. If you had diversified, maybe. Regardless, it's the idea of don't do just one thing. Don't invest just in real estate or don't invest just in cryptocurrency or don't invest just monetarily. Invest mm -hmm. in many different ways. This particular verse right here, it reminds me of the parable of the shrewd manager. Oh yeah, unrighteous manager. Right, the parable where the manager is going to get fired because he's been handling the money improperly. And so before he loses his job, he goes real quick and he calls in his master's debtors and he makes deals with them. So then and they owe him. Now so they when... owe him because he's the one who cut them the deal and he diversifies his position, his place, uh, his place of ownership over his master's goods in order to secure a place for himself in the day of calamity, which he knows is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. And so that's a wise thing to do. And in fact, Yeshua in the parable praises him and says, make friends for yourself with unrighteous mammon. You know, the money itself is not righteous, but if you have it, use it to make friends because having friends will help you out in the day when things go south in the day of calamity. So that's talking about relationship over finance. Right. And I think that's such an important thing to remember too, is that investing is not just a monetary thing. And I said it already, but we really can't lose that point. Mm -hmm. uh, investing in people Investing in relationships, investing in God, investing in ministry. These are ways investing that... Investing in your church, investing in the people in your church. Right. These are ways that you can invest. And it's good to diversify there as well. To uh, 
to have multiple relationships from multiple different areas of your life. Because if one goes south, then you've got you aren't devastated, right? That doesn't imply we should we're condoning multiple wives, though. That's not that's no. not okay. <laughs> no, wow, you had that to diversification's there, not okay. That sort of diversification <laughs> is not okay. So the uh, next verse, it actually doesn't in the uh, NET specifically. It doesn't say anything any differently than my translation does. This is I. This verse is like Solomon saying, "If a tree falls in a forest, does anyone hear it?" I think it's more what will be will be. Maybe. You know, um, if the clouds are filled with rain, then they're going to empty themselves. You you just know it's going to happen. If a tree falls, north, south, whatever, it doesn't matter where it falls, where it falls, it's going to lie. It's going to stay there. And, you know, until somebody comes along, cut it up and move it. Which would have been extremely difficult. Much more difficult than it is today. Yeah. It's almost the idea of things are going to happen that you cannot control. Yeah. I think that's really what he's getting at here because he's talking about the day of calamity. You don't know when it's going to happen. Make sure you invest because guess what? There are things coming on the earth. You can't control them. A tree could fall directly in your path while you're on the road. There was actually recently a guy at Biltmore Estate just up in Asheville who had a tree fall on his car and killed him. Yep. Over Father's Day weekend. Which is horrible. Right. And uh, that's kind of what Solomon's getting at. Is You don't know when a tree's just going to fall on you, fall near you, fall block your path. You know? But you do know when, you know, clouds are full, it's going to rain. So you, you right. have but you some don't know. signs. You have some indicators. You can prepare. Right. But there is such a thing that might come that you can't prepare for. Right. So then he gets to the fool in a way. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who obsesses over the clouds will not reap. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's a fool. I, I mean... It's in, the lazy man. No, I don't mm-hmm. think it is. Okay. I think what it's think the it guy who's so caught up in watcher on the wall, mm. storm chaser, worried about the future. You're just watching the wind. You're yeah. just... You're just watching those clouds. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Yeah. That you don't sow and you don't reap. Right. You don't actually get out there and you don't do the work. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And social media makes it extremely easy oh my goodness. to get into that kind of mindset. To a, to a fault, to for a sure. To an extreme fault. I don't know about you guys, but we have heard it multiple times from people that they don't do much of anything because, well, they're a watchman on the wall. They are called to just watch the signs of the times and to warn everybody of all the evil that's coming. And then you get spam messages from them constantly mm-hmm. about uh, about the things that are coming, the things that are coming. Here comes the right. things. And What are you oh, doing oh, about okay. it? Right. You what know, are you doing I mean, about it other than... Knowing about it's one thing. And it's there is some value to that. But... You've got to actually make a difference in this world. And that's kind of what Solomon's getting at. Don't just sit there and be the eternal conspiracy theorist and just be everybody's weatherman of the climate of the state of affairs. Climate of the age. Yeah. Instead, make relationships. Make a difference. Right. Make investments. Which means getting out there and, and interacting and, and doing and working and putting effort in in various places instead of just 
watching. Yeah. And, and I think that's a good point. Because when I read this, I was just seeing laziness. You know, the guy who's watching the wind, he's just he's just a lazy guy who's observing the wind you know but the wind changes mm-hmm. the wind the wind is not steady the wind does what it's going to do and you can watch it all day long and but you can't see you're not the wind. really going to know it you can see um but you know, th- but the same thing with clouds you know you're sitting there observing the clouds and ooh clouds and oh there's there's the chemtrail clouds and there's the harp clouds <laughs> and there's the oh look there's a teddy bear oh look <laughs> there's a there's an elephant but the but the conspiracy theorists are sitting out there going oh there's another chemtrail overhead and there's oh those that's that's harp now mm-hmm. changing our weather and and they're more concerned with what everyone else is doing than and actually doing something themselves Mm-hmm. Getting out there and making a difference for the world. And that is so important. It's not just laziness. You're right. But it is, in a way, foolishness. Uh, it is the fool who's sitting there doing nothing and not preparing himself for the day of calamity. Right. Because he's so busy out there yelling for everyone else to prepare. He's chicken little. Mm, right. Moving on. As you do not know the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb... Of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes it all. So your translation said something different. Yeah, mine says, just as you do not know how the spirit passes into the bones of the womb, in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the work of God who makes all things. And I think that's very profound because... it We don't know. Nobody knows. Right. No matter how much we study we don't know when life happens we don't know when the spirit enters the child right uh that's true uh we don't know and if we could then we would probably have a solid case against those who want to call it just a clump of cells well that's for sure but we do see from scripture that Scripture thinks that it happens while the baby is still in the mother's womb. And if we look to science, there's actually a, a flash of light at the moment of conception. Uh, a lumen, like, it actually right. creates... Right, I've seen, I've seen videos on yeah, that. Um, which would seem to indicate that it's at the moment of conception. Something yeah, extremely I'm, special happens in that moment. Absolutely. But we don't know what and we don't know how. Right. And we can track it, we can track the process, and we can define it, and we can create stage names of zygote and embryo and so on and so forth. And we can know what happens, but we can never know how it happens. And that's important to get. But in my translation, it actually splits those out into two different things. Rather than how the spirit connects to the bones of the child, mine says, you don't know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of the woman who's with child. Which, again, it's still very confusing. The ways mm-hmm. of the wind, they're, they're incomprehensible. Uh, except for in modern days with, where we can track a lot of wind stuff. But still, even then, you can nev- you can, you only there's have no surety. Right. Even yeah. then, there's no surety. Anybody who's ever looked at a spaghetti plot for an upcoming... <laughs> Hurricane. hurricane they go all over the place nobody knows for sure because it could go all sorts of places right. and, and under various conditions so we don't really know the ways of the wind we can predict based on probabilities but even then most of the time none We're of wrong. them are right yeah 
but also the same way, how do how does a bone, something's hard and something rigid, how does that grow in the soft womb of a woman? Well, how do we bones know. grow at all? We right. don't know. We know they do. We don't know how. Right, and it's that incomprehensibleness. And, and I think that gets back to verse 4 as well. For who watches the wind? Well, you don't know the ways of the wind, so you're you're watching in vain. Uh, and I think that goes for the the watchman on the wall. You don't know what's in store. For all you know, a prophet could show up on the scene tomorrow, say forty days and, and destruction repents. is coming, and everybody repents yeah. and and everything is avoided. We don't know. Right. We don't know the time of the end. We know signs of the end, but that's it. We don't know the time specifically. And if we really want to boil it down to its barest bones, we have been seeing times of the end since Yeshua was walking this earth. That is absolutely true. Even the uh, apostles thought they were in the last days. I'm not saying that we're not in the last days. Right. I think we are in the last days. But we don't know how long those last days will last. Right. Well, the last days began with the with the apostles. And God is very long-suffering. And it could be another 6,000 years for all that we know. We don't know. Likely not, but it could be. It could be. Right. That's my point. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. And so that's, a, that's extremely important. And it's a humbling thought. And it's something that... A wise man admits to himself is that he just doesn't know. So moving on to verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning and until evening do not let your hand rest, since you do not know which prosper, this or that or whether both alike are good. Again, we get this idea of we just don't know. And so diversify in your labor. Yes, sow your seed in the morning. Go out in the fields, sow your seed, get that done, but then go do other work. Yeah, don't. Don't, don't just sit around and say, well, I sowed my seed, let's goof off the rest of the day, because mm-hmm. you don't know whether the seed's actually going to come to fruition. So diversify into something else. Yeah, idle hands are the devil's playground. That's right. an idiom that we have that is pretty poignant. That's not to say we can't ever rest, but don't let your whole life be okay i did one thing let me now just goof off for the rest of the day it's right it's important that we work that we do multiple different things in order to provide for our family provide for those that we're investing in and um uh, have plans for different outcomes i guess have a plan have B. a plan yeah have a plan b hey uh, let's take go back to the cryptocurrency example. You know, hey, it was going up for a long time. It looked like it would never come down. And there's still people today saying, hey, it's just on sale right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. Maybe it will go back up. Maybe it is a good time to stick a few more dollars into cryptocurrency before it does go back up. But then again, maybe it's going to crash. Maybe there's a lot mm-hmm. of money that's going to get lost more than already has. We've already seen some of the exchanges stop allowing trades or withdrawals, yeah. which is very similar to what happened to dollars back Banks in the being closed. in the depression. Yeah. As your bank closed down, you can't get your money out. Uh, maybe we'll see something like that. Maybe that will increase. And so you need to have 
another area, another avenue of caring for yourself. Don't put it all in one thing. That idea of diversification, it's all throughout this chapter. And so where we started and said, you know, this kind of looks like just a whole slew of hodgepodge, not really connected ideas. As we get into it, we recognize, oh, wait, there is a very real running theme going throughout this chapter. And it's something that's continued kind of throughout. And he's getting here to the end of this philosophy. And so these are his highlights, the things that he wants the reader to know. He's contemplated foolishness. He's contemplated wisdom. He's contemplated life. He's contemplated times. He's contemplated seasons. He's come to some conclusions on that. Now he's getting down to the nitty gritty. And this is the way of life that he's settling on. Because you can't know all ends, as he's said throughout the book, don't then pretend that you know all ends. And don't act like you know what's going to happen in the future. Right, exactly. Because if you behave in that manner, you're going to be lost. Right. So sweet also is the light and good for the eyes to see the sun. Hmm. You know, I actually saw a post recently from one of my Facebook friends. And she was talking about the early morning sun as the sun rises is the best light for your body. It actually is a healing light. The rays, the way that they hit, Hmm. actually increases health to your eyes and increases health to your skin. Hmm. It helps your hair grow better. Hmm. It helps your bones be stronger. Interesting. So rising early with the sun which is what people have done for generations, is actually beneficial to the body. As as another little proverb of my childhood, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. So that's interesting that the the sun, we we know that the sun is what gives light to the earth, at least in a scientific technical sense. But I was reading through John 1 the other day and just really contemplating it. And Yeshua is called the light and the life. Uh, he is the one who brought light and life to all mankind. And he's he was there in the beginning with the Father. And so when God said, let there be light, Yeshua was intimately involved in that process of bringing light to mankind, which predates the sun. Yes. The the sun itself, it's just a, a mechanism. It's a tool. It's, it's not the later. soul. Yeah, it's not the sole provider of illumination in right. in the universe, in the world. There are other sources of light. There is a light without the sun. And that light that's without the sun is Yeshua. He's the one who created that light. That's just so profound. And again, it's his light that brings life. So in a very physical sense, yes, it is the sun. In this physical philosophy that Solomon's engaging in. But then in a spiritual sense, it's Yeshua that is the light that brings life to all mankind. That's awesome. Yeah, so again, we see that correlation between Ecclesiastes and now the book of John. It is good to see the light. It's good for the eyes to see the sun. Well, change that U into an O and recognize (laughs) that the light is the sun with an O. And suddenly you're in John 1 with the sun who came from God and is the light of the world. Nice. And and is the light to all mankind. So, yeah, uh, it's... 
It's right here in Ecclesiastes, the foundation for so many different things, mm-hmm. or the at least the uh, a stepping stone along the way to uh, to conclusions and to things that are said much later in the Bible. Uh, but if a man lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they are many. All that is coming is futility. Mine Ooh. says everything to come is obscure. That sounds rather ominous. Yeah, it does. Well, it's just was talking about the light. So this is just the the other side of that. Right. This is the darkness. This right. is. It's uh, what Solomon was talking about earlier, where it's good to be in days of calm and peace. But there's a time for darkness as well. Right. The days of darkness are going to be many on the earth. They're... But remember the sun in the darkness. And that last little bit, the NET also says, all that is about to come is obscure. Uh, yeah. Mine just says futility, uh, but it is that word pebble that we've been reading throughout that's been futility, vaporous. They're imperceptible yeah. uh, is a good way to put it, I think. Veiled is another way. The The future, we just don't know. Again, Solomon's harping on the same theme over and over and over again. So you see it in the morning, but then do other work throughout the day because you don't know which one's going to succeed or not. Yep. You don't. You can't see the world clearly. You can't understand the ways of the world, the depths of these, or the, the many ways that uh, things go. You don't know the days of calamity, so invest and diversify, which is good wisdom. And it's also but, yeah. saying invest in yourself. If a man lives many years, let him rejoice in them. Don't neglect yourself. Right. Enjoy life. Right. But remember, there's going to be hard times. That's a given. That's all throughout scripture. You're going to suffer. It's going to happen. Don't forget the sun when you're in the dark. Right. And don't forget the dark when you're in the sun. Right. It just popped in my mind the housing bust of 2008. Hmm. Uh, anybody who's ever seen The Big Short. It's a very informative movie. It is an adult movie. Uh, just do be aware there is a bit of nudity in it and some language. But it was such a profound insight into the banking system of 2008, where the housing market will never fail. It's impossible for the housing market to fail. It's so big. It's so lucrative. It's so sure and secure. It's propped up by all these banks and by the government, and there's no possible way it could fail. And, it and they forgot. Failed. They forgot that times of darkness will come. Everything that's built up must fall. And it failed, and it failed big when it failed. And now we're in the exact same position. We're in a, actually a much worse position because they bailed everybody out, and then they started doing the exact same things. But I'm talking about philosophically right we have as a as a country have said oh housing can't fail always invest in real estate buy a bigger house buy a bigger house buy a bigger house get a bigger loan and it went right back up and it's about to fall again and it's gonna be big Right. So in the days of light, in the days of wealth, in the days of plenty, they didn't conceive. They didn't even think that, oh, there might be a dark day ahead, that things might not always continue on in this way. And then when it happened, it shocked so many people. There were Mm -hmm. so many that were just completely floored at the idea that housing, what? Housing could fail? The the market? And yeah. And it's... Again, it's wisdom 
to recognize in the days where everything is going just right to recognize there will be dark days ahead. Mm-hmm. Where you're at now, this mountaintop, it's just a mountaintop. There, there are valleys between mountaintops. But when you're down in the valley, don't forget, there are mountaintops ahead. And this isn't just a financial ad- right. admonishment here. Because we've all had this just amazing super time moment with god this mountaintop experience this right i went to camp experience you know what i mean like yes. this this that spiritually I charged have, moment i have i'm on fire mm. and i just i i need i to eat sleep and breathe the word and i'm so close to god i can almost feel him and i i'm super excited about all of it and then there's those times where we're like, God, where are you? Right. I can't hear you. I can't see you working. Everything feels alone. I can't find you and I'm desperate for you. Right. It's those times too where we have to go, okay, everything feels like it's falling apart on me. Yeah. Everything is completely, I am distraught. We, we read David was in that place a lot. Yeah. And, you know, David's psalms are, are shall, shall I say it, bipolar at times. <laughs> but it is the nature of humanity, the nature of life, to go through cycles. So when you are in that place where you can't hear God, where you can't find him, where you're desperate for him and you can't seem to break through, right? hang on. Because he's still there. He is faithful. And if you search for him, you will find him. He promises that. Amen. So hold on to that. Remember the son. And the idea kind of continues on in verse 9. Rejoice, young man, while you are young, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Follow your impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. But But know that God will judge your motives and actions. So this is that verse in Hebrews where it's the point of done man to die once and then the judgment. Solomon's advice here. He's saying, yes, you'll die once. You have this life to live. And when you're young, enjoy it. Have fun. Follow your heart to a degree. Follow your impulses to a degree. But recognize that even in doing that as a youth, you're gonna be judged for it. Yeah, I think we kind of give youth a pass. We think, oh, they're just they're just young. They're immature. They're gonna grow out of it. You know, we yeah. do. We we give them a pass. And now. I'm going to be honest. I don't think that God is going to um, be any less merciful than we are, considering how we are merciful to youth. Right. But at the same time, you're going to face judgment even for what you do as a youth. Right. So, yeah, it might be a little more lenient as, as a youth. But there is still going to be a reckoning for everything that you do. Right. And, and and what he's getting at is is 
you follow your impulses, you know, follow your heart and your desires. Go ahead and do those things, but recognize that there are some things you just don't do. Right. Even in that, avoid the sin. Avoid the absolute evil. Oh, I want to go see a movie. Fine, go. Oh, I want to go out and have dinner. Fine, go. Oh, I want to go hang out with friends. Fine, go. I want right. to, you know, I want to go to a party. But fine, go. It's okay. I want to rob it. a bank. No, 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 no. no, no that's no, a bad no. thing. That's where we got to draw the line. Right. Know where to draw the lines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I think that's what he's getting at is enjoy your youth. Don't squander. Don't squash it down under this, this patina of righteousness. This heavy weight of, of self-righteousness. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Don't, don't burden yourself with overly righteous, as he says in another place in Ecclesiastes. Um, Enjoy life. Don't forget to enjoy life. But you will be judged for it. So be careful. And uh, that brings us to the final verse of this chapter. This is such a short chapter. Yeah, but that's a big verse. It is. It is. So what does yours say? So banish anxiety from your heart Mm. and cast off distress from your body. For youth and prime of life are fleeting. All right. Mine says, therefore, remove vexation from your heart and put away evil from your flesh for youth and dawn of life are futility. Yeah, I like mine better. It's more poetic. The, that idea of banish, putting away evil from your flesh, I think it speaks to the previous verse of follow your impulses in your heart, mm. but keep that evil away from your flesh Yeah, because you're not always going to be young and... You screw up your body when you're young, you're going to live with the consequences. Yeah. Um, Don't smoke cigarettes. Well, (laughs) right. I'm just speaking from us because that was stupid. Personal experience. Yes. That idea of banish emotional stress from your mind. That's a huge one today. Mm-hmm. PTSD is like this new buzzword, and everybody seems to have it. They seem to have a trauma it's of some ADD. sort. They seem to have... It's, it's, everybody's got something, yeah. and they fixate on it, and and it ends up harming the quality of life for many. And anxiety, it seems to be everywhere. And right. I mean, there's there's hey, I'm anxious about such and such coming up, or right. I'm nervous about something, or, you know what, this particular situation's really been weighing on my heart. That kind of anxiety is fleeting. Mm-hmm. It's passing. But when you live in a constant state of anxiety, when you are defined by it, when you lead in a conversation with it, when it becomes part of your identity, that's what it's saying to cast off. It's not, hey, I'm nervous about something. It's, this is who I am. That's when it becomes life-threatening. Yeah, it's that that wallowing in anxiety or that wallowing in emotional stress or the the even wallowing in, in your PTSD. Not that those things aren't real, and not that and they, are. they don't affect people, but that, frankly, they're not as real as a lot of people are making them out to be. Yes, in this culture, people are getting triggered by 
everything. Right. Everything's a trigger warning. I might say something that's offensive and you might suffer PTSD because of it later. I had a, a negative emotion and now I've got PTSD. It seems so common. And we need to recognize, especially while we're young, especially while we're in our youth. And I'm over 40 and I still consider myself in my youth to a degree. Yeah. Um, I'm not elderly. I'm still enjoying my days. I'm still, you know, youthful enough that my body doesn't hurt all the time. Uh, <laughs> um but uh but yeah the you gotta learn to love life you gotta learn to experience life and to to allow even the negative things to just kind of flow off of you to a degree i think that the answer to a life that is defined by anxiety mm. is relationship mm, yeah it's real relationships with real people who, let's face it, you're, you are opening yourself up to hurt if right. you live in relationship. That is a fact. Right. And there's not one relationship on the planet anywhere ever that's not going to hurt unless it's fake. Right. If it's a real relationship, there's going to be hurt. There's going to be pain in involved in the relationship. But it's worth it to push through those. And that's the only answer to a life lived in extreme anxiety. In real anxiety. Right. Well, it provides a support when when things go wrong. You have people who are there beside you who can... Or when, when things are just too anxious or too... You've got people that can ground you, yeah. yeah. You've got people that can be honest with you, that can Pull relate you to you, who know you and who know what you're going through and are able to talk you down off the ledge, so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's important to, to have those people. Now, what's interesting is it, it doesn't give any ideas of how to take your vexation. And, and the word there is chaos, which is anger, vexation, provocation, grief, frustration, provocation i think that's actually a good word because it's the idea of being offended mm, provoked to yeah anger. you're being provoked someone's provoking you okay just remove that don't let that bother you you know your feelings are not your north star they're not your guide we've talked on that before they lie mm -hmm. to you it's the american culture right now it, it seems it is and it's because everybody's being taught to look to how they're being oppressed how are you a victim? Mm -hmm. Identify where you're a victim, and only then can you begin to be a real human. Which is all Marxism. It's it victim really is. mentality that will destroy you. If we go back to verse 9, in my version it says, Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Now, from our culture, in our world, we hear those words, Walk in the ways of your heart, and we think, you know, Let your heart be your guide. And, right. And all emotions, and, and that's what, that's the, the anxiety world that we live in. But their culture would not have seen that as emotional at all. It was thought that the heart was where right. you thought. Yeah, the, the heart was the seat of your intellect in the ancient world. Until 500 years after Yeshua. Um, so the the idea of the heart, if you read throughout scripture, your heart is what makes your decisions. Your heart is where you contemplate things. Your heart is where all of these, all of these things that we associate with the brain occurred. 
Right. So, so when they're saying here, follow your heart, it's not let your emotions run wild. Let your anxiety go. Let your feelings. What do you feel about this? Right. It was make wise decisions. Yeah. Think through what you're going to do. Don't focus on what does your heart tell you because your heart's, uh, it's snakes. Deceitfully wicked. Yeah, your heart is just a bundle of snakes, and they're it's seeking to bite and devour you. The way that we conceptualize the heart, the idea of emotions. And that's not to say that emotions are evil either. No, not at all. We absolutely should have emotions. God gave us emotions. They're vital to our survival. Well, not having emotions is a mental... A major problem. Uh, yeah. Either a psychopath or a sociopath if you don't have emotions. It's just two ways of that particular disorder. Right. So we presenting. Need emo- we need emotions. They're vital to our survival. They're vital to our communication. They are extremely important. But they should not control us and i think that that's what he's getting at in verse 10 yeah is don't let your thoughts be consumed with anxiety it says banish anxiety from your heart again we're talking about your mind right so that gets to the idea of thinking about what you're thinking about right and not fixating on the when someone did you wrong or that situation where nothing went right and man, I am absolutely number one doing that. I will, <laughs> I'll go for a walk and I won't bring a podcast and I won't have a friend to walk with me. I'll just sit there and replay a conversation I had 14 years ago. It's ridiculous. Sometimes quiet is violent. It is. And especially when I'm trying to go to sleep, like I'm laying there and all right. of a sudden I'm having a conversation with somebody yep. in my head. Yep. Fourth grade. One-sided conversation. No, it could be current. It could be fourth oh, grade. Right. It could be anything. But I'm constantly replaying or or thinking out what I would say if I had a chance. Right. And, and that's the kind of thing that I have to banish from my mind because it kept me up till 3 a.m. You know, it doesn't help me sleep. It doesn't help give life. Right. It doesn't help produce anything. And even if I'm sitting up all night and thinking of a conversation, if I had a chance to say to so-and-so, and then that so-and-so calls me, I don't say any of it. Right. <laughs> yeah, none of it's helpful. None of it. And so that idea of thinking about what you're thinking about, being aware of what's passing through your mind, but then being able to put it away is such an important skill to have. And it is a skill that anyone can foster. It's a skill that anyone can build up. It just takes awareness of what you're thinking of in the moment, especially at night, in the middle of the night when you're lying there in bed and you're you're arguing with someone or something, and it seems so vitally important. When you start, when you recognize, oh, I'm thinking about it, it's so much easier then to go, okay, I need to sleep. I recognize I need to sleep, and I need to start thinking about something else right now and you can force yourself to think about other things take every thought you can take your thoughts captive you can put that in a box and in fact sometimes it helps to visualize just taking that entire situation whatever you're thinking about create a box in your mind and put that situation in the box and close the box and lock it and that can help and if you find it outside of the box again don't condemn yourself don't get angry. Show it back in the box. Just collect it back up and put it back in the box and lock it. 
That's not an excuse to not deal with stuff. Right, but it is... But it is, is when it is consuming everything you... Every thing you are. And it's a tool that you can use. That's something you should use. And it's a tool that you can use when you find it disrupting your life. Right. When you recognize that this anger, this vexation, this trauma, this whatever you've gone through is controlling your life, there are ways, there are tools that you can use to banish those thoughts, if only for a time, so that you can get things done in the moment. So that you can... can enjoy situations so that you can enjoy conversations so that you can enjoy the people you're around so you can find joy so you can rest yeah and we definitely suggest that if you are experiencing anxiety to the point of it consuming you that you get help working through it right dealing with it finding peace finding resolution Finding a way to forgive and forgive yourself and just all of it. Just get through it and heal. Because there is a time to put things in a box and not deal with them. It's not forever. You need to deal with your stuff or it will consume you. You mm-hmm. will shove it down and shove it down and shove it down. And that box will get so full and then it will explode. Mm-hmm. Right. And when that happens, uh, it takes out not just yourself, but everybody around you. It is catastrophic. Right. So, all right. Second to last chapter of Ecclesiastes. Good stuff. One more. Good stuff. Yeah. If we had to sum it up, it's uh, diversify because you don't know everything. Uh, right put out a whole lot of different lines and uh maybe one will bite eventually one will but uh but yeah things come things go there's a time for everything just as it says in chapter two huh imagine that and Mm -hmm. uh in those times where it's evil don't forget the good and time where it's good don't forget the evil and don't let any of it the good or the evil consume you very good summation thank you with that what Solomon is recommending here, it just it seems like a really good way to live. Uh, it's a good way of life. Absolutely. It's something that I've attempted to culture in my own life, and I find that it keeps me even, and there are, there are great rewards from it. So, as you go through life... Seek life. And all that you do. Shalom. Thank you for tuning in to Darish Kai. If you would like to find out more or support this ministry, head over to SeekLifeSC.com. That's SeekLifeSC.com. We'll see you again next time as we dare as we seek life. Shalom.